All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Uh, I'm past midnight anyway, so who cares? Uh, on this particular evening, as the San Antonio Spurs waltz into Ball Arena and absolutely take it to the Denver Nuggets, final score of this one, 116-97. to 97. Uh, this stat was being discussed in the media room post-game that this was the first time since January that the Nuggets have scored under 100 points at Ball Arena. It is very rare for them to be this bad offensively. Usually the offense is the thing that they really hold their hat on at home. Uh, but the truth is, is that Denver's offense sucked. Denver's offense was really, really bad. They shot 21% from three. They got to the free throw line 12 total times. They only turned the ball over 11 times, so that wasn't the biggest deal. But 10 offensive rebounds is not where they usually want to be against a team that's smaller like the Spurs. Uh, And Nikola Jokic took 35 shots, which is very rare. It's not something that you normally see. And, And I understand him trying to be aggressive and wanting to make a statement. And the MVP thing is always in the back of his mind or probably more so than than others but not as much as Joel Embiid that that's to be clear um but it certainly felt like he was extremely aggressive and it kind of played into the Spurs hands that as long as they held him to a reasonable percentage and tonight it was about 51 52% that the Spurs could outscore Denver Given Nikola Jokic's damage is in the mid-range, it's at the floater zone, it's at the rim, not necessarily behind the three-point line. And it was enough. The Spurs, it was it was just very clear that they had a strong game plan that they were going to go one-on-one against Nikola Jokic between Jakob Pertl, Zach Collins, Keita Bates-Diop, whoever was matched up with him. They were going to go one-on-one. They were not going to allow him to pass. They were going to force him to take these shots. And Nicola obliged, and he missed a fair amount of mu- of bunnies that you don't necessarily hope that he that you don't necessarily think he's going to miss. Uh, that wasn't the only reason that Denver lost. They had a bad bench uh, once again, which is which is just another uh, really frustrating thing that that's happening for this team right now. Uh, but I put a lot of the starters' struggles on offense on Nikola Jokic to begin. And whether that's fair or unfair, it he did take 35 shots. I hope that people fully appreciate that, that he ultimately was the decision maker. He took 35. Uh, Gordon, Barton, Morris, Rivers, they combined for 43. So he was basically responsible for half of the possessions. And from a shooting perspective, which is just an extremely high number, and the Nuggets did not crack 100. So this is not to put the loss all on top of Nikola's uh, large and and very uh, worn down shoulders, but it is just to call it like it is, that he could have been better in a game that he scored 41 points, grabbed 17 rebounds, dished out four assists, only had two turnovers. He could have been better. And that's okay. That is okay. Usually in these situations, you have somebody else that can step up. Aaron Gordon, I thought, did a, re- a reasonable job stepping up. 
although he only had 18 points on 16 shots. It wasn't his most efficient performance. And then you go through it. Will Barton goes 3 of 12 again. He he played almost the entire second half. Monte Morris goes 2 of 9, 0 of 5 from 3. Uh, not a good showing from Monte on either end of the floor. And Austin Rivers, though he had a couple of made threes in the first half, didn't really do anything in the second. Was Was basically invisible. So was it all on Nicola? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think he takes the most responsibility, and and he should in this case, because I think that he got suckered into taking 35 shots. At some point, you have to break what the defense is trying to do. And the defense, and we've seen this in the playoffs, we've seen this against certain matchups this year, there are some teams that are willing to guard him one-on-one. And they're not going to give help. At those points, it is still on Nicola. It is still imperative for him to get others involved. And nobody else felt really involved tonight. There were some moments where Aaron Gordon was involved, but I thought that Monte Morris was very quickly uninvolved with everything. I thought that Austin Rivers was very much just a spot up player. And Will Barton mostly was a spot up player too. So, I hope that the Nuggets can take this into account because we did see this against the Suns, and some of it is that nobody else can really beat their man one-on-one consistently. But you can't just rely on -on one-on-one coverage. You can't rely on breaking down somebody one-on-one. The offense has to be able to generate open shots, and it didn't tonight. The shots were either mildly contested or heavily contested pretty much every single time. And the few open shots that Denver did get, they bricked. And sometimes those are the breaks, and sometimes that's going to happen. I don't want to belabor the point because, look, Nicola had 41, 17, and 4. Like, I'm not going to just overly ride the fact that, look, he, he wasn't at peak form offensively. That's fine. But it's also one of the reasons why they lost. The biggest reason, though, why Denver lost was the defensive end, where despite the fact that Denver only shot and scored 97 points, the Spurs scored 116, and they shot 49-46 and got to the line 24 times. They only turned the ball over 10 times. They had 31 assists. This was a team in the Spurs that didn't even need offensive rebounding. They didn't even need offensive rebounding in order to outmatch Denver. They were able to get everything on the first trip down the floor. And Denver's got to figure it out defensively. They just stink at home defensively. I pulled this stat post game because I was very curious as to why my impression of their defense is so bad. And this is just a wild number. Did you guys know that Denver has the sixth ranked defense on the road in the entire NBA? Sixth, that's borderline elite. That is a borderline amazing unit. At home, they rank 23rd. So that's borderline horrible. You go from borderline elite to borderline horrible by just going home and road. And it's one of the reasons why it's always stuck in my mind that when I go to these games and when I watch this team, it just doesn't make sense that they are an average defensive team. 
Like even post-All-Star break, they are an average defensive team. And it's a variety of factors. One of the biggest is that they rebound the ball defensively really well. They limit opposing teams' trips down the floor. But they also do some good things in, in other areas. It's not the only thing that they do. But it does just sort of feel like any competent offense, when Denver comes in, like when, when they come into Denver's building, any competent offense is generally able to get to where they want to go. And we saw that with the Celtics. We saw that with the, with the Suns. We saw that with the Thunder, for crying out loud. And now we're seeing it with the Spurs tonight, and we've just got so many examples of the Nuggets and and of so many podium games from Nikola Jokic and Aaron Gordon and Michael Malone, where you ask these guys, how do you stop the ball defensively? How do you fix the defense? And there are no answers being given. It's just, I wish we had a better answer, is the one that's been popular lately. And... Some of it, like I, I, I spoke to Aaron Gordon and I asked him about that stat post game, and he said it's probably because we are a little bit too lax, a little bit too lackadaisical. Uh, they relax a little bit at home as opposed to on the road where they're kind of on their guard, and there probably is something to that. I'm not sure why the culture of the team is that way that they take some of those road games perhaps more seriously than some of the home games, but it does sort of track, right? Like some of Denver's turnover issues, some of their attention to detail, and especially some of the execution on defense, it sort of feels like it goes out the window in these home games of late. It's crazy. I I don't know how to under, I don't understand it. I don't know how to quantify it, but it is this real tangible thing. That there's a reason why the Nuggets have set the road franchise record for wins. 25 wins is insane. It's a very, very impressive mark. Denver's one of the best teams in the entire NBA in traveling on the road. And yet they struggle at home. I don't really get it. I don't understand. Like I, I, I can buy the lax argument. I can buy the fact that they don't necessarily focus up as well as they probably should. But I don't know why that is. I I can't I you probably have to ask the players. And so I'm I'm going to try to continue to do so. I'll probably ask Malone about that very same stat on Thursday for the for the pregame. So we're we're gonna get to the bottom of this. I, I do want to really figure it out, but uh just really quickly, Monte Morris, 0 of 5 from three Nikola Jokic, 1 of 5 from 3. Aaron Gordon, 0 of 3 from 3. These guys have got to hit outside shots. Monte Morris has been very consistent all year, and that is a big deal for this Nuggets team. Uh, Austin Rivers came in and hit some big shots, especially early in this game, that, that should have gotten Denver going. But the Nuggets have always been sort of an average three-point shooting team and an elite two-point shooting team. But one of the things that really happens with Denver is sometimes either they'll get three-point shot happy at the wrong time, and they dry up, and the opposing team gets some runouts, they get some easy drives to the basket, it makes it look pretty bad, and then Michael Malone will call timeout. Or 
the Nuggets will try to force the issue. They know that the shots aren't necessarily dropping or they're trying to have good process and they will drive to the basket. They'll try to bludgeon their way into the paint and that is when the turnovers come the most. It's not necessarily the lack of focus. It's not necessarily anything else. It's that they're trying to do the thing that they're best at, which is drive to the paint. It's find that mid-range zone. It's find the, the, the hole in the defense. But sometimes when you play in traffic, you can have some bad turnover issues. And when Nikola Jokic is facing double teams, that can really be a problem. When Will Barton drives into traffic and loses the handle, that could be a problem too. Monte Morris is also just a smaller point guard. So if he was bigger, I have to imagine that he'd be able to make some of these other passes at times. Most of the time, he's pretty safe when it comes to turnovers. And he only had one tonight. I'm not necessarily speaking on tonight solely. But I do think that Denver, when their three-point shot doesn't go down, like tonight, either they will die with it or they will try to bludgeon their way to the paint. And Aaron Gordon did this and I thought did it reasonably well. Nikola Jokic very usually does this. Sometimes he will take some of these threes and when he overtakes them, Denver loses. I thought that that like tonight was a great example of that. He did take 30 shots inside the arc, but it felt like every shot that he took behind the arc was a bad one. And he made one of them. Don't get me wrong. And he has to take some of these because he's wide open. But Denver's got to figure out the spacing really quick. I also think, and I have this theory that Nikola Jokic, because he's in the paint and around the paint and inside the arc for most of his scoring possessions, that sometimes when Will and when Aaron and when Monte and Austin, whoever's out there with them, sometimes when they drive into the paint, it's more contested, more congested than for a lot of other teams. And so you'll you'll get some bad turnovers there. Austin Rivers had three tonight. Aaron Gordon had another two. Uh, Denver's a bad turnover team in general. They are also a very hot and cold shooting team. So it's just... Like, I'm going to talk about this in the third segment, but it just feels like some of the magic has really seeped out of Ball Arena. And we're going to talk about why, but I do think that it is true. And it's hard to come to terms with that, especially for this cursed season. But I do think that something has left Denver. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the bench. I I know that they also deserve uh, some discussion and some blame a little bit. But first, uh, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, Everybody, I know that the final four just finished up the NCAA tournament for both men's and women's just finished up. Congratulations to Kansas and congratulations to my South Carolina Gamecocks for the women's uh, national championship. They they continue to dominate the NCAA field. Don Staley is the GOAT. Uh, but as we transition back into the NBA, there are some futures and there are some team awards that are about to be decided. Uh, Denver's over-under is about to be decided on DraftKings. I got it for 47 and a half. Denver's at 47 and 33. They need one more win over the course of these final two games. They also need one more win to clinch a playoff spot. So hopefully they can they can grant me that pleasure. Uh, but if not, <laughs> you like many others can join in on all the fun. 
over at DraftKings Sportsbook where you can maybe collect some of your money on betting Nikola Jokic for MVP like I told you to. Betting the over on the on the season. Hopefully that that cracks in the next two games. That's always hopefully something great. And playoff odds are about to drop. Playoff series odds are about to drop on DraftKings where you can bet on the outcome of every single first round series. And there are going to be a lot of different options to choose from. Hopefully Denver's up there, of course. And if they are going against the Warriors, if they're going against the Mavericks, they will probably be underdogs no matter what. So you might get some good odds on Denver if you still feel good about their chances. So make sure that if you go over to DraftKings and if you're signing up as a new user, make sure to use promo code MHS when you do. We give you a lot of great opportunities over here, and we've partnered with DraftKings on this to make sure that you get the best deals, that when you sign up as a new user, you can win big. So let's see if it happens. Uh, That's promo code MHS, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Minimum paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We're back. Pickaxe and roll. Brian Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, it would be a great thing for me if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast. It's free. It's available on all platforms. Absolutely no uh, ties to that. Like You can always unsubscribe anytime you want to, and I won't be offended. I understand. I, I can be negative sometimes, but uh, if you enjoy my content, make sure to share it out with the people. I, I would I would greatly appreciate that. All right, let's get into this bench unit and let's get into uh there's not a lot to really talk about here just from a minutes perspective. Like DeMarcus Cousins played eight minutes tonight and was a minus eight. Was that the reason Denver lost the game? No. Did it help them win the game? No. And he was one of seven from the field committed some bad fouls, committed some bad turnovers, and it just wasn't a good performance for Cousins where he's supposed to be able to score on Zach Collins, on Kata Bates-Diop, and guys like that. This should have been an easier matchup for him, and he just made it difficult on himself. He misses the easiest shots for, for a big man where he's just one foot away, one foot away from the rim, and somehow he either rolls it off the, the side of the rim where he tries to finger roll it, or he tries to just put a shot up on the rim and it just kind of bricks off or, or it doesn't get all the way there. His touch just hasn't been where it needs to be over the course of this season. And there were signs of this when Denver initially brought him on. Uh, it's not great. And the fact that he can only give eight minutes and, and really was hurtful in his eight minutes is just another reason why Denver should have gone for a backup center this last offseason. Jamichael Green didn't cut it as the backup center. They tried Jeff Green and Zeke Naji and guys like that, different small ball options. None of them worked. And getting DeMarcus Cousins was a good stopgap at various points throughout this season. He's helped Denver win some games. He's helped brought some stability. 
to that bench unit, but also like Bones Highland moving to point guard was probably the biggest reason why the bench solidified. Uh, also getting Bryn Forbes and, and having Davon Reed playing and moving Jamichael Green over to the power forward position, probably just as important in general as getting DeMarcus Cousins. And I know that his record when he's on the courts is, is a big sticking point for a lot of people, but here are the facts. He, he gets texts a whole bunch. He is very inefficient a whole bunch, and he's kind of a liability on the defensive end. And there are some good defensive moments out there occasionally with him, and sometimes when he stays disciplined, he can be really, really helpful and really, really good. But tonight was not that. Tonight was just a bad example of it, and uh, the Spurs really took advantage of him. Zach Collins tonight was a plus 20. Josh Richardson from the bench was a plus 13. Those are big numbers. And it just kind of goes to show that the Spurs were very comfortable when he was out on the court. And they were comfortable when Jokic was out on the court too. So this isn't just a Cousins thing. This is a Nuggets thing where they have to figure out how to match up with some of these teams. But I do think that this is going to continue to rear its head. Like Cousins is clearly tired. He's clearly gassed. And there are two more games left in the regular season. Denver probably isn't going to play in a play-in tournament. But they are going to play in a playoff series, and I'm just very curious to see how Cousins reacts to that playoff environment. Bones Highland, uh, not his best game, three of seven from the field, one of five from three, made his twos and, and drove to the paint reasonably well, but it's just another game where he has really struggled from three, and it, this is probably what we're thinking of when we're thinking of the rookie wall, right? Like, some of the shots that he makes are just very impressive. And the first three that he attempted tonight, he made. But he had some easier threes tonight. And he had some potential opportunities to change this game. And he just couldn't really do it. Uh, seven points tonight on seven shots. One of five from three. Zero attempts at the free throw line. Four assists. Zero turnovers. Um, I, there was a nice move where he drove to the lane and then almost forcibly shoved Yaka Pertle out of the way, or really bumped him off of his spot. It was a very strong move for a player who is very diminutive, very small, very light in the seat. But he used his leverage really well, found a good angle around Yaka Pertle, and that, that was a very impressive move. I, I'm not going to lie, I was very impressed by it. And yet, there are still some things with him where he's got to figure it out. He's got to figure out how to be an impactful defender in these circumstances. And I know that this isn't the best uh, platform for him to do so because, look, uh, Josh Richardson was hitting shots. He wasn't really the guy that he was defending. He did get stuck on a screen when Lonnie Walker was dribbling up into a three. Uh, there were some times where he got lost and then the rest of the team was put into rotation because of it. So He's still got a lot of things to learn. I'm not super down on Bones. Like He's going to get an opportunity in the playoffs to continue to show himself, so hopefully he plays a little bit better than he did tonight. Davon Reed. Whew, this was an interesting one because Davon, he had a couple of good moments as a shooter, and, and he is one of the more competent two-point shooters that the Nuggets have on their roster. He might actually be the best deep two shooter on the team where he dribbles once, maybe twice into a long two and is just very comfortable hitting those shots. 
but he did have a turnover tonight, and it was perhaps the worst turnover the Nuggets have had this season, where he was running pick and roll with DeMarcus Cousins, and he kind of got downhill and then realized he wasn't going to be able to get anywhere, so he tried to pass the ball behind his back to DeMarcus Cousins, but it was nowhere near him. And it gets picked off by Trey Jones, and Trey Jones finishes the ball, like the, the layup in transition. Michael Malone calls timeout, immediately yells at Davon Reed, and then benches him. And uh, Harrison made this point at the game this might have been the last minutes we ever see Davon Reed in a Nuggets roster. And that's that's no cap. <laughs> like, that is, a, that is a crazy thing to think about because here's the next two games. Denver has played Bryn Forbes six minutes tonight, seven minutes tonight, but he is going to be one of 11 healthy players unless the Nuggets get back a an injured guy, unless they get back somebody like that. Bryn Forbes will be one of 11 healthy players that are eligible to play in the playoffs. Davon Reed is not eligible. Marcus Howard is not eligible. And Jeff Green, though he didn't play tonight, he'll, he'll be eligible. So add... Marcus Howard and Davon Reed to the group of Murray, Porter, Najee, Chanchar that aren't going to be able to play. And it's just crazy that that Denver trusts Davon Reed at this point more than they do Bryn. Uh, Bryn only played seven minutes. Like I said, he, he was one of two from the field for two points, had an assist, was a plus one. He led the team in plus minus. He, he definitely wasn't the issue tonight. I thought that Michael Malone he basically played Will Barton for all, all but about two minutes of the second half, and, and I think he overthought that. He wanted Will Barton on the floor to really solidify things, but Will wasn't even that great. He just hit a couple shots at the end of the at the end of the third quarter. Uh, it's tough. It's it's too bad that Bryn is kind of that guy that is getting the axe from Michael Malone's rotation, and I don't think that that is a good idea at this point because they have to figure out how they're going to win a playoff round. And if Bryn Forbes is going to be a part of that, great. I don't think Faku Campazzo is going to be a part of that. And those are your 10th and 11th guys right now in a healthy rotation. So we're going to see because Davon's ineligible. Davon is not able to suit up for the playoffs because he's a two-way guy. And the rules have gone back to the point where two-way contracts are not allowed to play in the playoffs. It's just a fact of life. And because Denver has those injured guys too, it's it's just a it's a whole mess and a bit to do. So I'm very curious to see how Denver handles that situation because my God, uh, they're gonna are they really gonna go into the playoffs with 11 healthy bodies? That seems like a terrible idea. Uh, Jamichael Green tonight, one shot didn't make it. I don't even remember what it was, but he grabbed two rebounds, one of them offensive, had an assist. Very clearly not involved in whatever every everybody was doing. Uh, just very much a supporting cast player. Was a a good defensive piece, I thought. But you look at the matchups and you look at what Denver kind of went up against. Zach Collins went 6 of 11 and scored 13 points and was a plus 20. And Kata Bates-Diop, who's I think the primary matchup against Jermichael Green, shot 4 of 5. The only shot he missed was a 3 had three rebounds and was a plus one. So I, I don't know, like how to, how to evaluate Jamichael's green. It was basically not impactful e- either way. Like it's just, that's too bad, but it's just kind of, kind of where we are. 
there's a lot of pressure on Bones. There's a lot of pressure on DeMarcus Cousins to be good. Uh, Austin Rivers will move back to the second unit when Jeff Green, uh, when he comes back and, and ultimately comes back. We didn't actually get a response from Michael Malone and, and from anybody on the reason for Jeff Green's personal absence. I assume that it's something to do with the family, but this was a surprise for Denver that he was kind of a late addition to the injury report for personal reasons, and uh, he's he's not there. So obviously, whatever it is, takes precedence, but Denver could have really used him tonight. They could have used the stability. They could have used the optionality to be able to match up with some of San Antonio's schemes, and maybe his presence as kind of a bigger wing would have given Denver just another target to abuse the front of the rim. Might have opened up some things for other people. So I don't know. I'm very curious to see how Denver continues to go forward with this rotation. Uh, Things are clearly out of whack right now. Denver is not playing good basketball. They haven't been playing good basketball for a long time. And I don't know how you solve it. Nikola Jokic taking 35 shots is not going to solve things. Um, I, I know that everybody would want him to take as many shots as possible. But it's just not sustainable. Like he's going to get tired. He's going to get exhausted. So you need other people to pick up the slack. And if Mate can do it, then great. He might not be able to. If Barton can do it, great. He might not be able to. Aaron Gordon, I think, is capable. I think he's somebody that he's going to have to continue to dominate around the rim and be a physical, strong presence in getting to his spots. And he had some great moments against Keldon Johnson today. They basically played each other even in their minutes. And Jokic obviously was better than Jakob Pertl and and even like count another starter there too. But Barton scored nine points on 12 shots. Morris scored four points on nine shots. Ostrinover scored eight points on six shots. It's just not good enough. Denver's going to need some help. They're going to need to balance out that scoring just a little bit more because you can't have two guys in double figures. That's just not enough. It's just not there. So hopefully Denver can figure it out. Hopefully they can figure out the defense because that's just another aspect of this that I just don't know how to, like what to tell people. It's probably not going to get better. It's probably not. And I know that's a negative Nancy thing of me to say. But I just try to be real with everybody that this is just this is a frustrating year for a lot of reasons. And I think, like I said in the first segment, we're going to talk about this next. The magic seems to be running out. Let's talk about why. We're back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, let's talk about exhaustion. Let's talk about resignation. Um, this is just just not a fun podcast to do. But but when you get blown out by twenty points at home to a team that is well below you in the standings, like that that should kind of stick in the craw a little bit. That's that's something that should not be taken lightly. 
Denver should be defending their home court. That should be a, a priority for them, and they, and they just have not done it. They are 22-17 and 17 at home. They are 25-16 and 16 at home. They will finish up with a worse home record than their road record. That's very rare for teams to do that, and usually good teams don't do that. Good teams defend their home court. Let's step back just a little bit. Denver's clearly exhausted. They are clearly tired. It's been a long season. Overreacting to one game, it's tough. Like you, some you want to be perfectly honest. You want to figure some things out, but you also have to step back and understand that these are humans, and they have their weaknesses and their flaws. And they could just as easily win against Memphis on Thursday. You also have to look across at other teams and what they're doing. The Minnesota Timberwolves just lost by 20 to the Washington Wizards, who are a worse team than the San Antonio Spurs. And I think that's pretty clear. So it's not just Denver. Like, Minnesota lost at home, too. Like, it really is not just Denver. I know it feels that way sometimes. I know it feels that it could be like it could like like the the sky is falling. Some of it is. I think that there are some other reasons why they the magic might be running out. But teams have bad losses on occasion. The Nuggets are 31 and 8 against sub 500 teams. That's incredible. That is the I think the third best record in the NBA right now might be the second best behind the Suns. That's incredible. Very rarely do teams do that. And it's a great sign that the Nuggets are a playoff team. Now, their tier within the playoffs is often determined by how good they are against like teams, against their, their own playoff teams. They are actually one of the worst at matching up with playoff opponents. And it's often for reasons like we discussed, like like teams are able to scheme against Nikola Jokic and a flawed roster around him, where if he's the only guy that can really draw attention and punish people for going one-on-one coverage, then that's going to be an issue. Because right now he is. Right now, there, there isn't another player on the Nuggets that can really take it one-on-one and can abuse that level of coverage especially to the point that it could be a competitive series if teams chose to do that against Denver. But here's the thing. Denver's magic number is six, or for a top six seed is one with two games left to go because Minnesota lost. There are two more games left on the calendar. One is against Memphis on Thursday. One is against the Los Angeles Lakers who were just eliminated from the playoffs on Sunday. So that is a very strong possibility that they could win. Now, to play devil's advocate there, the Memphis Grizzlies without John Morant, Jaron Jackson, and a whole bunch of other dudes just took Utah to OT on Utah's home floor. And Memphis has been competitive against just about everybody. The Lakers, they will probably have LeBron James back And he is going to be competing like hell for that scoring title in that last game of the season. He will probably try to score 50, 
60 points. And it's going to be on the Nuggets to stop him and prevent him from doing that. We'll see if that actually happens. We'll see if they're capable. But I am very curious to see how they react if they do lose to Memphis and if Minnesota wins, because it's all going to come down to that final game. But Denver still has their they like they have control of their destiny. They can solidify a playoff run. That is something that can happen. They're exhausted, but they can take care of business if they want to. Now, I will say that they look resigned in a lot of these pressers and some of the games and some of the moments that you just, just sort of pick up. That when you ask them a question about how to solve the defense, the answer is always, I don't know, or I wish I had an answer. There aren't very many tangible things that they can point to right now as things that they can improve. Because Nikola Jokic is trying out there. There's a limited amount of ground that he can cover. There's a limited amount of vertical air that he can cover and prevent easy shots. That's probably the biggest weakness in Nikola Jokic's defensive game is that teams don't fear him. And if a team is comfortable, then more often than not, they're going to make shots. And all of these playoff opponents and playoff caliber execution teams are going to feel that way. Denver's going to have to find some way to make other teams feel uncomfortable, and they just have not been able to do that, especially against the best of the best. And I fear that that resignation, that understanding and and maybe defeated nature is permeating throughout the team right now, and that it's also permeating throughout the fan base, that the magic just isn't there. It's one of the reasons why the home crowd has kind of sucked, why the Nuggets have struggled at home. I think that's probably some of it. That there, there have been some really good home crowds. I do not want to bash on the home crowd and the home fan base like incessantly here. But there have been some moments, and tonight was another one of them, where you have San Antonio Spurs fans chanting airball when Austin Rivers shoots a late three and airballs it. And it was audible. You had some audible chants from the Spurs, from their fan base. In Denver. And that's just another example of the Celtics, the Suns, the Lakers, uh, whichever fan base you really pick right now of a good team, their fans travel and they really bother Denver. The magic isn't in the building right now, and I'm, I'm not sure how to solve it. I honestly think that it's probably not going to come back until Jamal Murray returns. And whether that happens this season or not, I'm not comfortable saying, because every time I've thought he's close, every time anybody else has thought he's close, it just sort of is delayed. And I do think that it's, it's, it is genuinely getting closer. And I know people hate hearing that. I know they hate it. But it's genuinely getting closer for him. He feels good. He feels like he's ramping up and getting closer. Whether that means that he can or should come back for this playoff run, 
I think is a very strong uh like that's a very strong point that it might not be worth it at this point of the year. Not just for himself and for his own personal health, but even if he comes back, are the Nuggets really is their fate really going to be changed? Have the Nuggets given any sort of indication that if they get back Jamal Murray and he plays reasonably well, that it's going to change their fate drastically? Can they beat the Suns? Can they beat the Grizzlies? I don't know if they can beat the Warriors or the Mavericks. I think it's very questionable at this point whether they could win a first-round series. They have not shown the ability to lock in defensively. They have not shown the ability to limit their turnovers and break down the opposing team's defensive scheme when it really focuses in on Nikola. Good teams have taken it to Denver. I don't know if Jamal really changes that, so I'm not sure that he's going to come back. I can say pretty comfortably that he's not going to be back on Thursday. Now, I've said things before, and let me tell you, I have the biggest jinx known to man on Nuggets Twitter. And if I say something, then it's very possible that you should just bet the opposite outcome at this point. And I'm I'm very good at this on press row. And Matt Moore was looking at me like I was crazy today because I was saying some crazy shit. And either the that or the opposite came true. And it, it was just it was honestly wild to think about. Anyway, I don't think well, I don't know if Jamal returns. I actually think that he's probably the most likely player of the four between him, Porter, Vlatko, and Zeke. I think that Murray is the most likely to return of all of those four, which is insane to think about. It's insane. Denver could use all of those guys, even Vlatko. He would give them at least a different look that they could throw out there. but they don't have it. So I don't know if the magic is coming back this year, folks. I think that that's something that might have to be tabled until next year. And and if this is just a cursed season where you have Nicola playing at this level and just kind of cursed to watch him try to do it by himself at times, then those are the breaks. Those are quite literally the breaks. So I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that the Nuggets can find that spark again. But when you listen to them speak, and when you listen to them discuss their issues and why certain things are happening, you can't help but come away from it thinking, man, this team is really down. They are really, really down. And whether they should be or not, I don't know. But the fact is, is that they are. So, Hopefully that can change over these next two games. The Nuggets needed to change if they want to make any noise. They have to have belief in themselves if they're going to do anything at all. That's where it starts. You have to understand and believe that you can do it. And we'll see if they can. We'll see if they they believe. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I will be back tomorrow. We'll probably try to discuss either any news that comes out or break down maybe the Mavericks and the Warriors a little bit strongly. 
because I think Denver will probably face either one of those two teams in the first round. So we'll just have to see. But either way, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support as always. We'll talk to you guys very soon.